Good morning. Whoa! I've got a fan club. This is awesome. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I didn't think that I was going to be preaching, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, I'm going to be Pentecostal holding the mic. Amen. All right. So uh, it's worked out really, really well because first service, uh, what I'm talking about, I kind of try to give it like a cold opening. Uh, but I mean, if you guys stuck around through that, then you're as Pentecostal as they come for sure. So can you catch this, babe? Thank you. You guys are Pentecostal, man. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. We are still in our Y series. How many of you guys have enjoyed hearing from the staff, from the pastors of the house? Huh? That's been awesome. It's really fantastic because each time, I mean, you really get to see uh, our hearts. Like, you know, we come up here and it's not that we're just vulnerable. It's just, it's just how God speaks to us. And you really get to learn a lot about us. And that's why I love, you know, I've known Pastor Austin for years. But when I watch him speak, and I don't know why that dude is just fascinated by Simon Peter. Like, that is like his spirit animal or something. But, you know, you just really watch, like, his heart and how God speaks to him and, you know, who God is to him. And then, of course, Pastor Casey and Tiffany being just so wild about worship. And then my wife, like, there's just such a, a teaching gift on my wife that I really wish I could have. But um, I got other gifts, and it's amazing. So this morning, I want to, uh, I want to talk about something. I really want to talk... Uh, I'm talking about prophecy, but I'm really presenting to this to you guys because this is a big deal. I really feel called. uh, God has put this on my heart. This is where Holy Spirit is leading me right now to actually head up and help us as a church, as a congregation, develop a prophetic culture. To actually help uh, develop a prophetic culture. God spoke it to me, and I love it. A lot of times when God speaks things to us, you're like, God, that's a good idea. Let me go get somebody on that. But God spoke it to you for a reason, because he wants you to do it. God spoke it to me for a reason, because he wants me to do this. So this is exactly where I'm feeling called to right now. Am I a prophet? I really don't know. Um, But, you know, it's cool stuff. So when we get in that culture, that mindset, though, of trying to build something new, that's pretty tough, right? Like trying to step into a new calling, step into a new phase. If you guys have, have switched jobs or, you know, just different seasons of life, maybe, you know, becoming a parent for the first time or, you know, something like that. Like, stepping into that new season, like, it can feel really, really weird. I shared a story with the young people at youth camp. Several months ago, my dad took up the offering, and he used the visual in the offering, and he put it up here on the screen, and what it was was me standing on my seat right here, uh, standing in the front worshiping, but the picture was taken from the back. I don't know who took the picture. I've still got beef with them, but um, the investigation is ongoing. I don't know. But they took this picture, and... If, I, if you think I like to be the center of attention, it's just a facade. Like, I actually don't. It kind of makes me feel weird. So this picture's up here. Let me, let me break it down why it was so awful. This picture's up here, and, like, it's just my butt. Like, my butt is right here. And it wouldn't be so bad if the pants that I were wearing weren't painted on me. Like, I have no idea how I got my body into these pants. And then, of course, I'm the victim I'm mad at everybody else, and I'm asking all my friends, I'm asking my wife, I'm asking my family, like, why would you let me wear such tight pants? Like, who thought that this was okay? And, of course, the response was the exact same. We have been telling you that it is too far. We've been telling you that it's ridiculous. It doesn't look good. Tight pants are okay for some people. It's not you. Like, guys shouldn't wear yoga pants, because that's basically what I had on, pretty much, okay? Like, I had no idea. But until it, was, like, it took me seeing that, I went home, I threw those pants away. I'm never wearing those pants again, like for sure. 
Uh, but it took me seeing that, and then I started wearing clothes that actually fit me. It's the craziest thing. I know, a wild concept to wear clothes that actually fit you. Um, but funny story, like, I went and bought this shirt and these pants, and they actually feel weird. Like, they feel weird. This shirt fits me properly. These pants, I could probably go a size up, honestly. But these pants, I feel like MC Hammer, and they're like parachute pants. Like, I feel like they are so loose. Like, they, I feel like they're enormous on me. Why? Because I got so comfortable to something that didn't fit me that when I got to something that actually fit me, it feels uncomfortable. And we do that so much in our lives. We get into these, these seasons, these, these mindsets, that they're not a fit for you. They're not what God had fitted for you, but we come so, we've done it for so long that that's what we become comfortable in. That's what we become comfortable in. And then when we try to step out into a new season, we try to step out and be like, God, I feel like this is where you're calling me. It's exactly what his will is for you. It's exactly the fit for you. But it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable because we've never been in that season. We've never been in that moment. We've never, you know, stepped out in faith like that. So that's what I want to kind of talk about today is kind of stepping out in faith and, again, building this prophetic culture. And like I said, in the 9 a.m., I was kind of giving this cold open. But, I mean, that's, that's about as Pentecostal as it comes. So, if you, like I said, if you guys stayed around for that, then um, I think, uh, you know, prophecy is not going to be too far out there for us. But... Uh, I am going to just, and I'm also going to try to like blow through this message um, as quick as I can and abbreviate it somehow, but to establish a baseline, to establish something that we can all get behind, uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue, or death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Does everyone believe that your words have power? Does everyone believe that life and death are in your tongue, that what you speak matters, what you speak to people matters? Of course it does. Uh, James... Uh, the brother of Jesus in the New Testament, he goes like into, elaborates on this, goes a lot deeper with it. In James chapter 3, he elaborates on this proverb and he says, just like a small rudder steering the entire ship, just like that small muscle, that small, uh, you know, instrument being able to navigate and control that whole ship, that is just like our tongue with our bodies and our lives, like the, t the power of the tongue that it has. And James actually goes on to, if you can have the ability, if you can tame your tongue, then you have reached, like, total self-discipline. Like, if you can watch what you say, then, like, you are at that place of just total self-discipline. He says in verse 2, if you're powerful enough to control your words, then your character is mature and fully developed. If you can watch your mouth, then you have enough control to do anything. Why? Because our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. There is so much power in the tongue. He also shares this in verse 6. It's kind of closing out the chapter in his rant on taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. James talks about the tongue being a fire releasing a fire that can burn throughout the course of human history. I highlighted this verse because it translates as a fire that passes through generations. A fire that passes through generations. Your word passing through generations. Let's think about that. Let's think about how heavy that is and how much weight that carries, that our words have that much value, have that much importance, that they can pass through generations. That's kind of what Pastor Amanda was speaking about a couple of weeks ago, talking about those generational curses and generational blessings. You want to leave a blessing behind for your family, for your sons and their sons, their daughters? Speak life into them. Speak life into it. Begin to build a culture in your family of speaking life and then watch that pass through generations. Amen? Amen? You guys got all the Pentecostal out of you up here, and now you're just like, I'm only in receive mode now. Again, 
there is life or death in the power of our tongue. Our words have weight. Our words are powerful. And that is exactly why we should prophesy. That's exactly why not just me, not just, you know, the senior leaders of the church or the people that y'all look to as, you know, like, your, you know, your leaders, your pastors. That's why every one of us should desire to prophesy. And these aren't my words, even though that I do desire that. These aren't my words. These are the Apostle Paul's words, like Apostle Paul in the New Testament. We don't even have to go Old Testament to look at what the Bible says about prophecy. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love and desire spiritual, spiritual gifts, and especially, he, Paul puts so much emphasis on this, especially that you may prophesy. He is talking to the church right now. He is talking to us. So what's your immediate reaction when you hear prophecy? I know that one of the beautiful things about this church is we're like a mosaic of just all kinds of different backgrounds, whether it be from been to church your whole life, I was raised in church, or you could be like just totally brand new to church. You could be coming from a Baptist background. My wife is Methodist. Uh, coming from a Methodist background, again, like we just have all these collaborations. If I didn't say your denomination, you know, like you kind of get the point. We have all these backgrounds coming together just to worship Jesus. I think we do a fantastic job at that, by the way. I think we do a fantastic job of it doesn't matter where you come from, what status you have. Like you are welcome here. You are a brother. You are a sister. You are family. And we get to worship God together. But I do think there's a lot of... Um, um, you know, a, a, a lot of thoughts towards prophecy that might not be. There's a, there's a lot of, like, you know, pre-connotations. Is that what I'm looking for? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts, like, towards prophecy that could be negative. Um, and, again, when you hear prophecy, you're like, man, they're really Pentecostal. Like, they're really far out there. They're kind of crazy. They're kind of wild. We are that, but it's not because of prophecy. And a lot of times we can think of, like, the prophetic being like a gloom and doom. Like, prophecy is calling out people's sins. Like, that's kind of what prophecy is. Prophecy is calling out pe people's sins. And I think our immediate reaction is to go negative. It can kind of go negative, or you can kind of have some skepticism to it. And again, it's totally justifiable. Totally justifiable to have that, have that mindset. Uh, I think the way we come to that mindset, though, is uh, for a couple reasons. One of them is major and minor prophets really made up the Old Testament. Like when you go through the books of the Old Testament, so a lot of them are the major or minor prophets, and then they have their, their books are talking about them prophesying to God's people. And a lot of times it's not really in a good way. Um, but I do think it gets, that also gets a, uh, um, a negative connotation to it that it shouldn't. The major and minor prophets of the Old Testament, they were prophesying, and a lot of times it had a negative feel to it, but it was re in reality it was just God warning his people, wanting them to stop their ways and to quit sinning. And I know a lot of times I, I, you might have heard this before, like Old Testament God, he's kind of crazy. But then like something happened with the Old Testament God and then the New Testament, like Jesus calmed him down or something crazy. No, God is still the same yesterday and today. Like he is the still God of the Bible. He's not the God of the Old Testament and then God of the New Testament. He's the exact same. And it really comes down to this, that like when people would prophesy, it's because we allowed our sin to dictate us. The children of God were allowing their sin to dictate them, and they were indulging themselves in this sinful lifestyle, and God knew where that was going to go. That part's not changed. How many know the consequences of our sin? Like, they, it does. Like, it, it bears consequences. But, our, uh, but yeah, Jesus hadn't came yet to close that gap between 
uh, God and man. So the, the, the prophecies would feel kind of negative because it was about coming to God without the blood of Jesus being sacrificed. So it would feel negative. It would feel too burdensome. Uh, so a lot of times these would come off negative. But then when you look at it, like, it's still God's grace. Like God would send a messenger, find somebody that was willing to, speak, willing to listen and willing to speak. Like it all points back. Like our God is a God of grace. Like our God wasn't just a judgmental. He wasn't, you know, always full of wrath. It wasn't anything like that. Like God was begging his people, please return to me. Like return to me. This is the safest place you can be. This is the best place for you. Like this is my goal. This was my intention. And when I look back at all those prophetic words, like I still see God's grace in it. I still see God's grace in it as just a warning just to his people, like calling his sons and daughters. But of course, it was kind of like put in this negative connotation because uh, Jesus hadn't made the sacrifice yet. And now we get to go straight to Jesus. Amen. 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 So God is the same, but I do think there, there was a shift in the prophetic. I believe that there's a glimpse of that shift in Malachi chapter 4. If you guys want to turn there with me, I think this is absolutely so fascinating. I hope that you are amazed by it as well. Malachi chapter 4, if you need help with that, that is the very last chapter of the Old Testament. Very last chapter of the Old Testament. We're going to get back to Corinthians, but first, like I said, I want, I want you guys to start seeing this shift of where I think, you know, the prophetic turn from just calling out judgment and sins to what the prophetic is now since Jesus came, all right? Y'all still with me? Wow, that sounded really encouraging. Y'all still with me? Yeah. All right, praise the Lord. If y'all did it again, then I wasn't going to be, like, bold enough to, like, make you do it a third time, so I'm glad we're all on the same page. Like I said, this is Malachi, a minor prophet prophesying about the upcoming times. A little context to this, uh, some Bible history, there's actually about to be 400 years of silence from the Old Testament to when Jesus is coming. So God's going God's to be silent for a little while, but again, he's not ghosting them. He's not doing this out of punishment, anything like that. Like God is sending a messenger to give them warning, to give them encouragement, to stay the course, to stay strong, that God is about to make all this right. He is about to send his son, the perfect sacrifice. And all that's about to take place, but before that, there's going be, to be some tough times. And again, in his grace, in his wisdom, he's sending a messenger to share um, some encouragement, some good news. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Remember the law of Moses. Remember the law of Moses that I gave to you. Cling tight to that. Follow those ways. If you feel like, you know, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't hear from you. Look back at what he's already said. That's a message from somebody. If you feel like God's being silent, it's because what he already said is good enough. All right? I feel like Holy Spirit's saying to stop right here. If God, if you feel like God is being silent, if you feel like he's not answering you when you're crying out to him, what did he already say? What did he already say? Go back to that point, find what he said, and then find him from there, okay? God's speaking to us, all right? Are we listening? That's the question. God's speaking to us, and I think we always want this new word. We always want him to, like, bring this fire, bring this. And he's like, you're not doing what I asked you the first time. Like, you're not, you're not, you know, living on my word that I spoke to you already the first time. So, thank you, Holy Spirit. That was good. So Malachi's prophesying. He's, again, he's saying, hold on uh, to the law of Moses. And then he actually begins to prophesy a glimpse of Jesus. Again, just this is encouragement right here. This is not a gloom or doom thing. This is an encouragement. And he says, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Again, just a glimpse at Jesus coming. And there's verse 5, 6. I have this pulled up right here. 
And then he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. You see, Elijah was probably considered one of the greatest prophets to ever live. Uh, his stat sheet includes him defeating 400 to 450 prophets of Baal. All right, he challenged them, and he said, listen, if my God comes through, uh, then, like, he is the true God. If your God comes through, then he's the true God. They, sat, they cut themselves. They made sacrifices, sacrificing children. Crazy stuff. Why? Because sin makes people stupid, all right? It's pretty much the gist of it, all right? Sin makes you stupid. Uh, so they're trying to do all this, and then, of course, they're praying to a false God. He's not going to show up. And then Elijah comes up, boom, calls down fire. The story's a little bit longer than that. And then defeats the prophets of Baal. He stood up to Ahab and Jezebel. Probably if there was an evil power couple, that was them, Ahab and Jezebel. Like that was the evil power couple. Even a lot of times, I want to pause right here. Even a lot of times now, I think it gets prophesied that like women have a Jezebel spirit. And we don't ever talk about men having an Ahab spirit. Ahab's issue was he was passive, he was inattentive, and he didn't ever step into what God was calling him to be. He just allowed his, his wife to call the shots. And I think that passivity, that led to a lot of the evil doing. We don't ever talk about passive men having an Ahab spirit, all right? For some reason, we pick on the ladies. But that's not me. I love ladies, right? Kaylee thinks I'm sexist sometimes, so I just got to re remind that. Uh, but again, he's calling, he's, uh, Malachi, he's talking about the prophet of Elijah coming. And what's it going to do? It's going to bring the hearts of fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to their fathers. See, the prophetic mantle that Elijah carried is going to be released to us, and it's not to bring condemnation. It's to bring reconciliation. It's to begin to restore families. That prophetic mantle is going to begin to restore families. It's going to be to redeem sons, the lost. It's going to begin to redeem the fathers. You guys see that shift? It went from shifting from calling out the sins of the people to begin to reconciliation. That's what that prophetic mantle is going to hold. It fascinates me, and I can see it like very visually in my Bible. The last prophetic word that's given in the Old Testament, and then it's boom, New Testament. Like, it's boom, right there. Like, the shift is taking place that God is saying, listen, there's going to be time coming that it's going to be about reconciliation. It's not going to be about, you know, calling out people's sins or anything like that. So I think when you hear a prophecy now and they're calling out hidden sins of people, I, I think that's like an Old Testament way of thinking. I don't think that's doing anything for anybody. Let's say, let's say I start calling out Jim's hidden sins to everybody. He doesn't have any, of course. He's never, never sinned, but no. Let's say I just start calling him out and just saying, and, and if you've been in a Pentecostal service, I, I grew up in a lot of those, what would we call it? We'd call it reading their mail. Boy, he was reading his mail, I tell you what, man. Oh, in reality, he was just insulting the guy. He was insulting him. That's really what it is. Like, if you've ever been in those services, it might be, like, interesting for other people to watch, but for that person that's getting called out, like, that's a horrible night. That's horrible. But let's say I start calling Jim's stuff out. That's not going to do anything for Jim. Here's the thing, and I know our CR crowd can attest to this. I know where my shortcomings are. I know I am very aware of where my flaws are. And here's the thing. I'm very confident of you things. I'm very confident that I could screw up at any minute. I'm very confident that I could just absolutely blow it. I'm sure our CR people, they're confident that they could have another relapse. They're confident that they could just drop the ball on everything. You know what I'm not confident of? that I'm actually going to walk in the purpose and the will that God has for my life. 
that I'm not going to preach to generations like I've been called to. Like, that's the stuff I doubt myself. So I don't need any encouragement or discouragement on my already issues. I need you to speak to what is hidden in there, what's inside, and you begin to call that forward. Begin to call that forward. So again, when we talk about prophecy and we look at the vast majority of prophecies given out in the Bible, they do have like this calling of the sins out and stuff. Um, but again, that shift takes place, and Jesus, Jesus changed history, all right? He changed everything. He changed everything. So now we get to go to First. It's 1220. Hallelujah. We're going to hurry up. Uh, we get to go to 1 Corinthians, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to skip a lot of the context for time's sake. But again, this is what New Testament prophecy looks like, and we are living in the New Testament now. So the, the church of Corinth is bickering over things. They're fighting over stuff, and the apostle Paul has to write to settle some disputes. And in chapter 12, he's settling these disputes because they're arguing about spiritual gifts, and they're trying to claim status on everything. Like, they have this spiritual gift, so shouldn't they be higher ranking? They have this spiritual gift, so should they be higher ranking? You know, on, back and forth, back and forth. But Paul is writing about the spiritual to enhance their spiritual welfare. I also want to say this. Uh, victory in your spiritual welfare will lead to victory in spiritual warfare. Your health spiritually is going to matter when it comes to a spiritual battle, all right? I was thinking, I watched that movie Unbroken, and uh, I even forget the guy's name. That's just coming to my mind. It starts with a Z, doesn't it? Yeah, someone called it out, that guy. So he's, like, known for this track record of, uh, you know, he, he ran track super fast, you know, really good, but then uh, he's in the... He's in the prison of the, you know, the enemy's camp. He's there. He's a POW. And then he's malnourished. He's malnourished. He's super weak, super frail. You see it. I mean, his body's went through this physical toll. And they have him race just one of the random guys, and he can't do it. And that's, that's how we are spiritually. Like, we are not feeding ourselves spiritually. We are spiritually malnourished. So when we go into a spiritual battle, we're not prepared, guys. We're not prepared. Like, we have to be... Uh, feeding ourselves, building ourselves up spiritually, just like we do physically, just like we do mentally. Like, we have to do those things spiritually or we're not going to be equipped for a spiritual battle. But Paul, uh, Paul shares these spiritual gifts, and uh, in verse 8 to 10, I'll share them really quick. Paul shares about the, the gift of wisdom, a word of revelation knowledge, the gift of faith, gift of healing, power to work miracles, gift of prophecy, gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking, gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. So Paul's writing to the congregation. He was like, these are what some of the gifts that God distributes. But then in chapter 14, I share those because he emphasizes prophecy. Chapter uh, 14, verse 1, if you could pull that up for me. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Which brings me to my first point. Every follower of Jesus has the ability and should want to prophesy. I very intentionally worded this because if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to prophesy and you should desire to prophesy. Very, very plain and simple. I think a lot of times we do a bad job of like separating the Trinity and you get saved. Jesus comes into your life. And then if you're crazy enough in a couple months, like Holy Spirit comes into your life. I don't know why we separate the two. We're like you got the chill guy and then you got the crazy guy. Like he comes in. He just wreaks havoc and makes everything wild. No, they are the Trinity. They are one. So when Jesus comes into your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life as well. And God. And when God comes, he brings these gifts. Each and every one of us have these gifts. 
Um, that is one of the, again, that's one of the biggest points I want to make because you have the ability to prophesy. Each night, uh, uh, the, last night at youth camp, when we're closing out youth camp, we'll actually get in a big circle. And this past year, I think we were there for like three hours or a little bit better. And we begin to prophesy to the young people. We begin to speak to the young people. They've got enough bad stuff being told to them already, all right? They've got enough uh, discouraging words. They've got enough lies being spoke about them. So we begin to speak over them. And then what we do is we let them speak to each other. Because guess what? I don't get to go to school with them. Pastor Casey doesn't get to go to school with them. We don't get to go to school with them and be speaking these words over them. So we have them speak life over each other. And that does two things. One, it shows that they or one, it shows that, you know, when they are together, when they are united, like speaking life in each other, they can do anything. But the second thing is it shows them that Holy Spirit can speak through them. That is our entire mantra, 1 Timothy 4.12. That is the theme of our youth group is it doesn't matter your age. Holy Spirit, God can work through you, all right? So it doesn't matter your age in here, young or old. Like God can and wants to work through you. You, should, you have the ability to prophesy and you should desire to prophesy. He goes on, I think you can go ahead and bring up that next verse, whichever one it is. 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 3. Um, Paul is actually talking about the spirit of, uh, the gift of tongues. And I guess, you know, Church of Corinth context, like people would just jump up and start speaking in tongues. And Paul is actually saying that's great. That's a great thing to do. And it's really cool. Like, if you've ever been in one of those services that uh, tongues, you know, like a word in tongues gets delivered and then someone interpretates it. Um, but if you're like a not follower of Jesus... That's some pretty wild stuff, okay? Like, let's be honest. When you're not a follower of Jesus and you're all green to it, it's like, okay, I don't know what is wrong with them. But I'm like, no, I only speak English, but I don't think that's a language, you know? Like, it's some pretty wild stuff, is it not? And that's, it's very practical, all right? Like, Paul is thinking like we would be thinking. And he says, that's fantastic that you can speak in tongues with God and you can pray in tongues and you and God have that, you know, that mystery, like that, that, you know, the mystery, like, you know, you're praying, you don't know what you're praying and God knows. Like, that's really, really beautiful. But as far as church goes, as far as like the actual congregation in a church setting, he says, but when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people. He says, prophecy is actually better to be held inside the church, all right? Tongues is great, don't get me wrong, but it's actually better to prophesy. Why? Because when he speaks to encourage people, to build them up, to bring them comfort. My next point, prophecy is encouragement for the church. It's so simple. Like, it's so simple. That is all it is. Prophecy is encouragement for the church. And my favorite part about this, A, it's very practical. It's very simple. There's no need to overcomplicate it. But let's just like... Let's just say, for instance, that we build this prophetic culture, that we come a people, become a people that like to prophesy to each other. And let's say that we're totally wrong. Let's say that I am totally wrong, that the prophecy, like major and minor prophets, that's who the only people were supposed to prophesy. Like the Bible was only for the gifts. Like God doesn't want us to use that now. Uh, we don't have the ability to prophesy. Let's say that all that that I totally disagree with and don't believe is true. But we still make this culture of prophetic happen now. You know what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We're just going to all be encouraging each other. That's all that's going to happen. We're just going to be going around encouraging each other. That sounds like a pretty cool place to be, if you ask me, all right? Someone that you're going to walk in, you've had a tough week, you know, you've, you've, you've just fought, you've just been pushed around, you come in, and just like, man, I see you. I see you working, I see you grinding, like, and just begins to speak life over to you, like, just to begin to, like, just pour into you to say that you can do this. That's what they do every night on, on Thursday nights on CR. 
Thursday nights, Danny and Melody come in. Pastor Casey comes in. Scott will be here. And they just begin to speak life over these people. Why? Because uh, if we go too long, we start to convince ourselves that we can't do it. But then when we come in here, they begin to prophesy over them, begin to speak life over them. That's all the prophecy is, guys, is just encouraging one another. And that's why I'm so confident in this. I'm so confident in this that if we build this culture, that the worst thing's going to happen is that we're just going to be a people that encourage each other. That's a, peop- that's a family that I want to be a part of right there. That's a people group that I want to be a part of. Listen, talking about that fit, talking about the pants that don't fit me anymore, listen, to be very vulnerable, I love to make people laugh. I love it. For some reason, Casey's brother, Chris, thinks I'm the funniest guy ever, and I have no idea why. Like, he laughs at me all the time, and I'm like, I wasn't even being funny, but, you know, whatever. I love it. Go for it. But even more than that, even more than making people laugh, man, I want them to feel valued. I want them to feel encouraged. I want them to feel encouraged when I leave them, just like, man, that guy really believes in me. Like, I think he really notices me. I think he really, really likes me. And again, that's what prophetic does. And as far as the prophetic you know, being that encouragement, that calls out to something inside of people. Like for, like Bo, for instance. Um, Bo loves church. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this correctly. Listen, I could give a prophetic word to Bo and tell him, dude, like, I think you're a sports fan, and those stadiums that you watch, like, any sport, because you just, you love them all. Like, all those sporting events that you watch in, I think you're going to be inside those stadiums speaking to people. Bo could care less about that, by the way. I actually felt that. I actually, I actually had a vision that was like that. Bo doesn't believe me at all. He could care less. He does not think that's going to happen. But when I tell Bo, Bo, I think you are a heck of a dad. Like, it is so cool how much you love your three children. And I totally can relate to when Sheridan comes home and she's like, I think we're going to be doing this nonsense now. And it's just crazy wild things that you might not necessarily believe in, but, man, the way that you... I know that I can relate to that because Amanda just coming up with nonsense. She washes her hair with eggs now, all right? Listen, okay? That's how crazy she is. But again, so I know where Bo is coming from. Bo comes home and he's like, okay, all righty, whatever you say, love. But man, the way you're so consistent and loving your wife and loving your children, like I see a lot of unchurched people or I see a lot of church people that don't leave their house as good as you do. Yeah. See, Bo could really care less about those foretelling, those visions, and those prophetic words. But when I begin to encourage him like that, and if you didn't come here, I wouldn't have anyone to talk about fight cards with. So, but when I begin to just encourage him, you can buy into that more. Like, that's something that you can see right now. That's something that notice. That's something that encourages you again. So I do think that there's a, a forth-telling prophetic side of things. Like, I really believe that you can, you can speak to someone. There's been some prophetic words spoke about me. And, you know, I'm not seeing them come to pass. But, you know, uh, but the prophetic words that really stick are just the ones that are hitting right now. The ones that are encouraging right now. And, again, that is all the prophetic is, guys. It's just encouraging one another. Just encouraging one another. I'm going to go ahead and close with this. If Bubba can go ahead and come on up. My last point I want to make, I don't think I have this up there, but prophetic words are rooted in love. Prophetic words are rooted in love. That's what changes the prophetic from calling out sins to telling people to be better to actually encouraging, all right, when they stem from love. Last point I want to make really quick. So chapter 12, Paul is writing, and he's sharing the spiritual gifts, right? He's sharing all the spiritual gifts and kind of, you know, 
He's talking about church leaders and church congregations. Like he's, it's a very practical thing about how we are con- to conduct ourselves, like when we meet during church. Like he's giving advice for churches when he's writing this. So in chapter 12, he writes like very practical stuff. And then in chapter 14, what we just read is he's, he's going in on prophecy. He's, you know, really emphasizing that, really singling that out and saying, you got to be prophesying. What does he do between chapter 12 and chapter 14? It's the love chapter. It's the love chapter. Listen, Paul was totally intentional, totally led by the Holy Spirit when he put that there. Why? Because I can give these prophetic words, but if Bo doesn't know that I love him, then it's not going to mean anything. When I begin to encourage you, when I begin to, to speak life into you, if you don't know how I feel about you, if you don't know that I love you, that I'm for you, none of those words are going to mean anything. You can, and that's what Paul, that's exactly what he says in, verse, in chapter 13. I'll remind, I'm just going to read it really quick, uh, verses 4 to 8. Love, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek, seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. It never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Tiffany would say, love loves love. That's what she would say. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which one day falls on. Love remains long after words are spoken. Listen, if I give you a prophetic word, or I give you a word of encouragement, you're probably going to forget that, all right? You're probably going to forget a lot of what I've said up here today. But you know what people never forget? How the way people make them feel. People are never going to forget the way you make them feel. So you encourage them, you prophesy them, but let it be from love. Why? Because we freaking love each other. We love each other. We're just passionate about one another and wanting to see the other one succeed. Guys, that's exactly what the love looks like that Paul is talking about right there. You're going to stand with me. Bam, I cranked that out, son. If there's one thing I'm passionate about, it's not keeping y'all too long here, all right? I'm hungry too, I know it. Guys, let's pray for a moment. Just try to hear from the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your word. And God, not just your written word, but God, that you are still speaking now. God, you didn't just write and then done. God, you still speak today. And God, let every person here know, God, that we have the ability to hear from you and we have the ability to just a simple word of encouragement. It's so simple, just a simple word of encouragement. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hopefully y'all don't mind, but I want to call a few of y'all out. Donnie, I absolutely loved watching you come up here last week for prayer. You got to know it did something in me watching the guys that had your back. But I want to say this, the quality of men that had your back when you were up here, like, dude, you got some men behind you that you can, you can literally do anything. You can go to war and you're going to win because you got guys that are having your back. Guys follow you. Guys, men follow you. I'm going to be very specific for a moment. 
because of where you're at. I know a little bit of the situation, but I think a lot of men were following you, and that's why you kind of got demoted and put where you're at. And God's saying, that wasn't me. That wasn't my will. And I think he's, you're not going to have to defend yourself. You're not going to have God fights for you. And there's going to be people see the true heart of Donnie. And God is, God is setting you up to be just, just a lead man. And I know that your, I know that your support to Pastor Casey, your support to Danny and Melody, it means the world, man. It means the world to your CR crew. She's going to kill me for this. But London, she's like, oh, my God, I'm never coming back. Give me a break. London, when I read that reconciliation thing, I feel like that's what God wants to do for you. Just like restore your heart. You're so kind. You're so gracious to people. You have such an ability to connect with people. Such an ability to connect with people. I believe God is really wanting to, like, pull that out. You just, you lead young women. You lead young women. Let them see that they're valued, that they're loved. I know you want me to stop talking, so I'll quit quit talking. Amanda, go pray with London real quick. Please, sorry. Again, guys, I just, I'm not... I don't feel like I'm speaking some, you know, great mystery of God. I just want to encourage people. I just want to encourage people. Just like Mitch and Kim. I encourage you guys. The best is yet to come in your marriage. The best is yet to come in your family. And just because y'all are getting close to be empty nesters, that doesn't mean that, you know, this transitional season that you're about to come into, like, God is still with you and he's still for you. Like, the best is yet to come in your marriage. Sharon, when I see you, right behind you, there's a shirt that says, Praying Mama. I feel like that ought to be yours. You should, you ought to be wearing that shirt. You keep praying for your family. I prophesied to Dakota a couple weeks ago. God is rebranding the Baker family in Meigs County. All right? going to be a family when they feel broken, when they feel lost, they're going to pull up into the driveways of of the Baker family to see the hope that they got, to see the restoration that took, to see the renewing of the mind that took place in your family, in your boy. God is rebranding the Baker family in Meigs County. Thank you, Jesus. That one gave me chills. Ain't going to lie. Encouragement, guys. That's all it is. Daniel Perez, man, you got too great a story to be silent. You got too much of a voice to be silent, man. And you're focused on good things right now. That's the cool, like, that's the tough part. You're focused on good things right now, leading your family, providing for them. That is like, that is great stuff. But God says, I still have more for you, dude. Still got more for your family. Danny and Melody, we just celebrate you guys. I don't have a crazy prophetic word on y'all, but my goodness. Hey, this church would absolutely notice the loss of Danny and Melody. All right? You guys have no idea the the like the hit. I mean, 
I look over here and I think 40% of this crowd is here because they're here. All right. So man, we, we celebrate y'all. That is so cool. Like some people would be so like satisfied about just serving in church. You know what? I'm doing good. I'm making a difference. Like I'm helping on Thursday nights, but Melody's like, nah, we're going to, we're going to st- still just extend to the community and start a clean living, uh, a women's house. Like that's amazing just to continue, like not settling like that. That's amazing. It's amazing. Well, if you're waiting to get called on and I don't call on you, still know that God loves you. He sees you. You're valued. And shoot, like, just begin, like, y'all just encourage. This is weird, but this has been a practical, I mean, this has been an odd day anyways. And this has been a very practical message. So I'll, just before y'all leave here, I'm about to turn it over to Pastor Gabe. Before y'all leave here, just go encourage somebody. Just go encourage. Can we do that right now? Can we do that right now? Y'all just pray and listen. If y'all want to sneak out the back, that's fine. But let's just, like, instead of an altar service, let's just take five minutes just to find somebody and just encourage them. It doesn't have to be this crazy, like, prophetic thing. It's just encouragement. That's all it is. Just find someone real quick. It'd be awesome if you didn't know them, but it's okay if you do. Go find somebody and encourage them. Let's do that.